Hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Party. What the hell is it? It's the first day of September 2022. Happy Thursday to you, and happy September. I hope your August was good. My August was pretty good, aside from the being sick part. And so I hope your August is good as well. Well, it was good. I hope your September is awesome. Don't forget to check out patreon.com slash Podcast or derekhunter.locals.com. That's where you get all the bonus material and everything you support the show. Enter the contest. You give, I give, we all give. It all works out. You get stuff out of it. I get stuff out of it. And a sense of satisfaction and community you can't buy for the cost of a Starbucks. You know? One, one, every day somebody spends that much money on coffee. Whereas you know, just once a month on this thing. And it works out for everybody. Appreciate the support. All right. Let us start the program. Lots of stuff going on, as always, every single day. You sit there and you look at these people and you think, my God, my God, what the hell is wrong with these people? The New York Times, the left-wing media just in general, led, of course, by the New York Times, they've got a picture, alleged picture, of some of the classified documents uh, that were taken from from Mar-a-Lago. And they're creating a whole new narrative around it. Now, of course, the markings on the documents are one thing. The fact that Donald Trump declared them to not be classified, to no longer be classified whilst he was president of the United States, is something that's lost in all of this. It's, always, it's not lost. Okay, it's not lost. It's hidden. There's a difference. It's not lost. It's hidden. They're hiding this from people because they don't want people to know it. They want... now. The double standard is what bothers me. If Hillary Clinton were currently sitting in prison for the mishandling of classified materials and Donald Trump as president of the United States did not have the authority to declassify materials, I would say, well, then Donald Trump probably needs to get himself some good lawyers instead of, I don't know, maybe his lawyers are excellent. I don't. He keeps on hiring new lawyers. He hired the former Florida Solicitor General yesterday to go with a whole bunch of people. And he seems to have lawyers whose job it is to defend him in court and lawyers whose job it is to defend him on TV. I don't know. I, I would, I'd hire one set of lawyers and they'd be the best lawyers I could get my hands on. I wouldn't care if I'd seen other lawyers on TV and think I'd need to get them into my, my tent. But whatever. They're good looking. So what are you going to do? But the left, the hypocrisy of it is what bothers me the most because Hillary Clinton is walking free. Hillary Clinton never had any fear of a search. We have only Hillary's word for it, that she doesn't have any more documents. Lord knows there are lots of stuff missing. 33,000 emails deleted her server wiped, but how many times did the uh, print button get hit? We don't know. Well, because that would have been run through the server. The server's been wiped. The phones and the computers have been destroyed by hammers. So what is in the Chappaqua estate? Is there, who knows? There could be love notes from uh, Jeffrey Epstein to Bill. Or, hey, hey, Bill, remember that? How awesome that was? Remember that, uh, that we, it could be up there. Could be. 
We just don't know. We do know that nobody cares. Certainly nobody on the left cares. But they pretend... This this tells you everything you really need to know about Democrats. They uh, they claim the moral high ground while lying. If you have the moral high ground, if you have truth on your side, if you have justice on you, if you have everything that they claim to be the sole arbiters of, they wouldn't have to lie so much. A former FBI agent, this tells you the... Uh, the quality of people over there at the FBI. This is what's kind of funny is the left is going, I can't believe that that Republicans, these right-wingers are attacking the FBI. They care. They say they care about police officers, but there they are attacking the FBI. Well, you know, you claim to care about police officers and there you are attacking police every five seconds, but that's beside the point. There's so many people at the FBI and formerly of the FBI who have shown themselves to be partisan hacks that they deserve criticism. And they cast aspersions and speculation and uh, a jaundiced eye on everybody who currently works at the FBI. If the FBI could churn out Peter Strux and Lisa Pages of the world, then uh, that, that's a problem. If they can not only churn it out, but those people get elevated to the upper echelons of power in the FBI. That's indicative of cultural rot to the core. Are there some good FBI agents? I'm sure there are. But would a good, honest FBI agent go to um, Roger Stone's house at 5 o'clock in the morning, pound on the door with their guns at the ready to arrest him for contempt of Congress? Or whatever it was, would they? No, I don't think so. Would they drag a, a man in his 70s off a, an airplane in shackles when they could have easily just told him, hey, you're, you're going to be indicted, show up, and he would have shown up? No. I don't think good people would execute those orders. So Asha Rangapaga, Papa, I don't know what the hell her name is, R A N G. A-P-P-A. She's wildly active on Twitter because she's a former FBI special agent, allegedly a lawyer and a CNN contributor, or at least was a national security contributor over at CNN. Maybe she got fired because of incompetence, because of what? Who knows? But she uh, she's wildly upset and she's drawing moral equivalences between what Donald, well, what Hillary Clinton is, did and what Donald Trump did. She's saying that what Donald Trump did was way, way worse somehow because Hillary, Hillary is a bastion, a bastion of honesty. As every, You know, when you think of Hillary, Diane Rodham, Clinton Jr., you, you think honesty, don't you? The Wall Street Journal had a, a column about the Comey-Clinton standard, James Comey, when he said he laid out his case against Hillary, a pretty damning case. And you, if you just watched that speech, you'd go, he's good. They're going to, they're going to indict Hillary. They're laying out a pretty, I was convinced it's a pretty convincing case. They're going to indict Hillary. And then at the end of 20 minutes of setup, and then uh, the punchline was no reasonable prosecutor would go after this person. Huh? It's an interesting standard when there are people currently in prison for doing the same thing that aren't named Clinton. But that's beside the point. The Wall Street Journal opinion piece simply reminded the public 
that James Comey said, eh, we're not going to prosecute it. So Asha then responds, Hillary Clinton had five classified, she had more than five classified documents, that's beside the point, had five classified documents, lie number one, was a government employee at the time. That's lie number two. She had left the Secretary of State in twenty early 2013. This did not come to light for years later. We didn't even discover that she had a secret server until Judicial Watch sued and got access to her emails and demanded through Freedom of Information, hey, where's Hillary Clinton's emails? And they said, here's like two emails. I said, that's weird. But then they noticed that there was a whole bunch of emails from her to other people that were showing up that weren't showing up when they requested Hillary Clinton's emails. And from there, they deduced that she had her own private secret server. Now, the only reason to do that is you don't want anybody, anybody to know what you're doing, which, using liberals' logic, is a a pretty good indication that you're doing something wrong if you don't want anybody to see what you're doing. So it was not she was not a government employee at the time because she kept those emails. She never turned them over. She was a violation in violation of the Federal Records Act while not Secretary of State. Her lawyers went through her emails, her email server allegedly, this is what we're told, you can't trust anything that Clinton says at face value, but we were told that they went through those Emails, they determined that 30,000 were relevant to work and 33,000 were about yoga pants and Chelsea's wedding and I'd imagine payoffs to victims of Bill or something like that, who knows. But we only had their word to go on. Those emails were then transferred, the ones that Hillary Clinton did not wipe uh, out forever, were then transferred to a flash drive and kept in a safe, at which point... The FBI should have, using the Trump standard, raided the offices of David Kendall. They were in possession of classified material. There is no doubt. Well, the president of the United States, while president, does have the authority to declassify anything they so choose. The secretary of state does not. The former secretary of state most certainly does not. And the lawyers for the former Secretary of State, the junior lawyers who were likely assigned to do this, most definitely do not have access to those materials, and they also likely don't have security clearances. So why wasn't the SWAT team dispatched there? That's weird. We just don't know. Uh, It says, uh, Asha then continues that Hillary Clinton's emails were communicating with people authorized to receive the info, meaning the classified information. It doesn't matter to whom the information was conveyed. The violation of the law is the manner in which the conveyance took place. Period. End of story. Also, the possession of it. She communicated classified top secret special access protocols information over her secret server while she was Secretary of State. No question about it. Why did she retain that information on her secret server in her emails outside the reach of government oversight or government security? 
Why did she do that? It doesn't matter what she was when she was conveying that information. It's that she retained that information long after in violation of the law. Now, if Asha truly is a decent, even an average, since I've never been a lawyer nor an FBI special agent, if she were a decent either one of those things, she would know these things, which means that she's either stupid or she's a liar. You can figure out which one it is. She says that uh, this was uh, information was conveyed in the course of official business. Yeah, it was. But then she maintained it after she left the office, and therein lies the problem. It wasn't until four years later that the documents were discovered and eventually turned over, all on the honor system. Again, we don't know what was deleted because we only have Hillary Clinton's word to go on, and Hillary Clinton's word is about as valuable as a warm bucket of spit. Again, Aja knows this. She's counting on her followers, 840,000 of them, not to. Or she's stupid. So she's either stupid or a liar. You can figure it out. And then she says she cooperated. She cooperated. Now, that cooperation is interesting because the FBI asked for cooperation and there were terms and conditions. Hillary didn't open her doors. Hillary didn't say, come on in, the water's fine. All right, go ahead. You want me to explain why I had a secret server, an insecure, unsecured secret server? I'll tell you, well, come on in, FBI. It's, no, no, her team of lawyers negotiated very specific parameters and a length of time a specific length of time to which she would speak to the FBI. At which time? It was like an hour and a half. After which she would never speak to the FBI again. And it's an hour and a half. So you ask her a question and she gives you a 15-minute soliloquy on the answer. Uh, there goes 15 minutes of your time. You don't get it. There goes one-sixth of your time. Doesn't matter. Also, as part of that cooperation... People within Clinton's orbit were granted immunity. They cooperated. Clinton World cooperated. Clinton World cooperated on condition of immunity. Cheryl Mills was in what is a wild breach of ethics, was simultaneously allowed to be in the room with Hillary Clinton while she spoke to the FBI and representing her as a lawyer, and also testified as a witness was also a target of at least some scrutiny. You cannot be a lawyer and a potential defendant in the same case. It's a violation. It's a breach of ethics. But then we're dealing with people who have no ethics. We're dealing with the Clintons. They also turned over computers, material, government material in some cases, or at least laptops that contained government material, these very same laptops, they turned them over to the FBI on condition that upon completion of their inspection, they be physically destroyed. Physically destroyed. Therefore, there can be no follow-up. You just got the word of these FBI agents, which we have discovered there is an entire list of FBI agents who are down with the cause and more interested in partisan politics than the uh, blind 
implications in uh, administration of justice. So yes, go ahead, look at the laptop. You can't save any of it. All you can do is physically destroy it, throw it in a wood chipper when you're done. That's a hell of a deal. If that's cooperation, I think everybody should cooperate with the feds. But should the FBI ever knock on your door for any reason whatsoever, you will not get anywhere close to that kind of deal. If you were in the District of Columbia on January 6, 2021, there is more of a chance that the FBI will be kicking in your door at some point just because your cell phone pinged on a specific tower then there is a possibility that Hillary Clinton would ever face justice for a clear violation of the Federal Records Act, for one thing, and mishandling of classified documents for another. Let that sink in. So all of these people trying to draw moral equivalences between what Donald Trump is alleged to have done and what Hillary Clinton did are lying to you, or they're incredibly stupid. I highly doubt they're that stupid. I think they're stupid in that they believe things that are patently false and support a political philosophy that has failed everywhere it's been tried. But when you you know the truth and you openly and willingly say something contrary to that, well, there's a word for that. It's liar. These people are liars. Looking at these pictures, by the way, from uh, the FBI, allegedly. The FBI sprinkled these documents out on a, the floor. Now, they're also next to a box of what looks like framed Time magazine covers and other things, like pictures, things in frames. There's one, two, three, four, five, six frames. Now, I don't know how a framed Time magazine cover could be somehow in violation of any of the Federal Records Act. Uh, I guess if the subscription was sent to the White House, maybe. But these are the sorts of things that routinely people take. I mean, hell, the Clintons, Bill and Hillary walked out of the White House with physical furniture. They took things physically. They took. They had to go and have them removed back from them. They stole things. They stole for nobody moves in. If you were elected president of the United States, if I were elected at the, at the height of my uh, slackery, if I were elected president of the United States, I wouldn't be bringing my futon that I had with me, which I still have, by the way, but it just, it, it was the couch. Now I have a couple of real couches, but I wouldn't have brought my futon with me into the White House. Would I have thrown it away? Eh, probably. I'd like to think that I would have thrown it away. But there's a possibility that if they offered free government storage, I'd say, well, put the futon in the storage because you never know when you get out of there. But I would not have brought it with me into the White House. Therefore, I would not have walked out thinking, well, all those couches in there are mine. I would know that going in, I had a futon. That futon is in a storage unit in Bethesda or wherever they throw it. And uh, I, I'm not going to be moving furniture out. The Clintons knew damn well they did not move from Arkansas to Washington, D.C. with a whole bunch of furniture. They probably donated it and it's probably been, you know, they took all the maximum tax credit they could possibly get for it as well as, you know, who knows how many social diseases that the furniture that Bill Clinton used to do his business on could spread. 
You know, if COVID can live on surfaces and other things can live on surfaces, Bill Clinton's things can live on surfaces too. But you'd be fully aware of the fact that you did not move into the White House with furniture. The White House is not emptied out every time there's a change in administration. I, I assume they change the mattresses and that's about it. And if they want to change the decor, because the White House is a living museum. Now, you, you're not going to get a tour of the uh, residents there, most likely, but it is a living museum. As such, it is populated with what? With historically significant furniture, things of that nature. So it's not like you can just sit there and go, you know what? That end t- I'm pretty sure that end table there, is that end table the one that... Uh, that Jefferson slept next to, or is that one we brought from Little Rock? So you can't say that what the Clintons did was an honest mistake, because first of all, there's nothing honest about the Clintons, and there's no way to make that kind of mistake. There's literally no way to make that kind of mistake. They stole physical, historic White House furniture. Now, the official movers, did the extent to which you have to go to get that stuff out of the White House... I imagine the the movers are not like uh, college hunks moving or anything like that. I imagine they are government employees because you're, even if you're just moving your junk out of there, the curators of the White House and the people who take care of these things are going to be a little bit nervous that there's going to be big stuff swung around. Historic furniture. You've got to be very careful. Make sure that you wrap that. Move that out of the way. We're going to make sure we don't. And there are people there, I'd assume, to make sure that you don't accidentally take something that you shouldn't accidentally take furniture wise for the Clintons to get all the furniture that they tried to steal out of the White House they would have had to have subverted that system completely now maybe it wasn't all that robust to begin with I can't imagine a whole bunch of people thinking hey wait a second we got a guard against a uh, president stealing huge piles of expensive furniture you probably don't have to you didn't have to think about that before but clinton's in many ways were historic joe will try to steal everything he can too because he's got a whole bunch of mansions only the ones we know about that he's got to furnish so there's that but the idea that donald trump somehow stole these things and oh my goodness it's horrible you believe that he would steal such things well no I don't. They're documents. Pretty easy. Why are you taking pictures of them, feds? Why are you taking pictures of them, feds, and posting and leaking those photographs to the New York Times? Why are you doing that, feds? There's something else at play here. There's something else big at play here. I don't, I, I've never been one to think that Donald Trump was a choir boy. But I am one to think that if Donald Trump were history's greatest monster like they pretend he is, they would have found something to convict him on by now. From the moment he rode down, well, not necessarily from the moment he rode down that escalator. When he rode down that escalator for about six months, most of the left-wing establishment thought he was a joke, thought it was a, a publicity stunt. There was part of me that thought it was a publicity stunt. Then he started winning primaries then he got closer and closer then he got the nomination then he became public enemy number one to the left at which point 
they launched investigation after investigation through every entity that they controlled to find out if he had committed any crimes. Every one of his book sets that they could get their hands on, they went through and and checked the numbers. They went through every contract they could find. They went through everything they could find. And they had people and institutions violating the law and violating their oaths of office and violating the, the ethics and trust of their profession to leak them information and go through and find. And they've come up with nothing. Nobody, I'm surprised. I am surprised. Like, my God, is Donald Trump the squeakiest clean person in the world? No, he's he's probably not somebody you want to do business with because a lot of his former business partners and people he's done business with have sued him. They had to sue him to get the money they were owed. That's sadly how a lot of business is conducted these days. But as far as violating the laws, as far as cheating the system... There's a difference between playing in the system and cheating the system. And it seems as though the Trump organization knows exactly how to play within the system. They're not cheating the system. They would have been caught by now. Democrats can't accept that. Mostly because they all lie and cheat and steal. And they do it and they go, well, there's no way the other side isn't. It's projection. There's no way the other side isn't doing it. Joe Biden... Hillary Clinton, Bill Clinton, Barack Obama, they all become wildly rich from their so-called public service. Who knew? There was a time, like when Harry Truman left the White House, he wasn't destitute, but he did, he wasn't rich. I think they instituted a pension because of Harry Truman for the president. Because they didn't come out and cash out. Now they cash out while they're in. Now they're making a fortune while they're in. Oh, my book sold. You run for president, you get elected president, and suddenly uh, three million copies of your book mysteriously sell. So suddenly three million people who are very interested in Joe's feelings about Bo Biden and why he didn't run in 2016. No, there aren't. There are enough people out there in the special interest world that want to throw him a bone that they go, you know what? We'll buy uh, 400 copies. We'll buy 1,000 copies. And they're sitting in a warehouse somewhere or in the basement mailroom of something. And they have no use for these things. But it's a nice legal way to launder money to give to the president of the United States. And suddenly they become even richer. And then maybe in casual conversation, you're making, no, we bought 4,000 copies of the president's book. You did. Well, all right. Well, I'll let him know. Why would you want him to know? Well, because of whatever mileage you get out of it. You can't give him the money directly for having bought 4,000 copies of his book. If he's got a, a $5 royalty per book, you can't, you can't give him $20,000. But you can give him $20,000 to his publisher and make it known that wink, wink, nudge, nudge, we got a bunch of copies of your book. Baltimore went through this with the mayor. Oh, it's not a direct bribe, but boy, howdy, it would be super good for you if you bought, I don't know, 5,000 copies of Healthy uh, Holly, whatever it was. Buy those books that nobody wants. Nobody was reading those books. Nobody's given those books. You couldn't give those books away. Those books existed explicitly as a, as a conduit to pass bribe money along. It's a scam. It's how it always works. 
I'm looking at my uh, my Twitter feed here, and there's the the recount is this left wing rag. If you subscribe to Showtime, you're subsidizing the recount. It is a left wing organization. Like, oh no, we need another left wing organization out there. Uh, yeah, that's what left wingers do. Most of these organizations are ways to just legally give people give their fellow travelers a bunch of money. But the recount specializes in social media. They're really bad at it though. That's the thing that's funny. It's they they do these chats and things online and these you know, oh, it's a video uh, conference. Tune in. And I I click on it and there's like 10 people watching. 10 10 people watching. You're like, "Wow, this is you're you're really bad at this. If you got 10 people, you can only attract 10 people because they have a, like 340,000, 350,000 followers on Twitter. They've got this enormous budget and they put out this product that simply put, nobody's interested in. But they're always cropping videos that they think will help Democrats. And they got this, uh, there's a bunch of flooding down in Jackson, Mississippi, right? And they have a water problem down in Jackson, Mississippi because of the flooding. And they're under, they've been under a boil the water um, order for a long time down there in Jackson because their water system has become a, a problem. Like think Flint, Michigan. And so you go, okay, well, what is the mayor? The mayor's name is Chokeway. I think it's Chokeway, C-H-O-K-W-E, Chokeway, Antar, three names, Antar, A-N-T-A-R, Lumumba, Lumumba, L-U-M-U-M-B-A. Democrat, of course, in good standing. Democrats rule uh, Jackson, Mississippi. But, um, and they have for a very long time. And uh, Chokeway Antoine Lumumba was on TV on ABC talking about the water crisis. He says, quote, we've been saying that it's not a matter of if our water system would fail, but when our water systems fail, and we've seen it far too frequently, end quote. And you have to sit there and go, okay, so you're, what you're saying here, and nobody in the media is going to frame it this way, what you're saying here is you knew full well that your water system sucked, and you did nothing about it. You did literally nothing about it for years and years and years. By the way, Chokeway Antoine Lumumba, his father was mayor of Jackson, Mississippi as well. So it's not just Democrats, although it's mostly Democrats. I'm looking back, scrolling through. Uh, see, Democrats control all the way back to the 40s. Do, 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 do. Let's see, W.W. Morris, no, not up there. It looks like a couple of, quite a few generations since, maybe if ever, I don't know, was there ever a Republican Party? Doesn't seem to be a Republican. I can't find a Republican mayor of Jackson. I look extensively. But they're sitting there and they're saying, well, this water system sucks. 
And so you go, if it has been a matter of when will our water system fail, not if, then why the hell didn't you do something about it? And oftentimes that's what you're dealing with when you're dealing with these Democrat politicians in these Democrat cities. They sit around and they say, well, this is going to be horrible. Things are going to fail. Things are going to fail. They do nothing to correct the fail. And then when they fail, what do they do? They throw their hands up and go, we need the federal government to step in. Why hasn't the federal government stepped in before now? Come on, federal government, get with the program. Like, well, no, that's, that's not how it works. You are in charge of this. Well, we didn't have if they say we don't have enough money to make sure that this was if you didn't have enough money, you can't tell me you couldn't budget. You couldn't budget anything over the course of years. You couldn't put together a bond issue. You couldn't do something. There's no way you could have gotten financing. You couldn't have gone to the state. You couldn't have figured this out before it was done. You're sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting for the feces to hit the fan rather than, I don't know, turning the fan off. And I'm supposed to care? You keep electing hack politicians who go, hey, this is a, this is a problem that we're not going to do anything about. And you go, yeah, that's fair. It's, it could be a problem. It's not a problem right now. Why, uh, why do today what you can put off to next week to do? And then everything goes sideways, and I'm supposed to care? I'm not going to care. I refuse to care. <laughs> Now, granted, I'm not the most caring person in the first place, but I think most Americans look at this and go, it's a self-inflicted wound. You did this. You did this. Why the hell would I care? You did. You had every opportunity to avoid this, starting with electing competent leadership. Elect competent leadership, you don't have this problem. Because they say, well, the water system's about to collapse. We get one good flood, and we're kind of in a floodplain. We get one good flood here. Um... We're not going to be able to drink water for a long time. It's going to overwhelm the whole thing. I said, well, what would we have to do to fix that problem? And if upon hearing what you have to do to fix that problem, your political leaders, your elected officials go, Psh, I don't know, that sounds an awful lot like work. Not interested in that. Uh, don't worry. The odds of it collapsing while I'm in charge are next to nothing. And just going about their business, you have to sit there and go, well, you get what you pay for. You get what you vote for. You get what you deserve. So do I feel bad for some of the residents of Jackson? Sure, yeah, fine. But they won't connect those dots and say, well, maybe we should, uh, maybe we should not keep slavishly electing Democrats. Maybe for all their flowery rhetoric and all their concern, and boy, howdy, they can sure make you feel like they care. And Bill Clinton showed the way where you... Bite that bottom lip and you go, oh, it's just terrible. Oh, shucks, I'm sorry about what's going on here. You get all that stuff and you go, oh, my heart just melted. It's so wonderful. They're such amazing, but they care so deeply. Meanwhile, they're, they're getting wealthier. Their lives are never impacted by their decisions that they make. They've got security around them while crime is rising uh, everywhere else. And you occasionally get to a point where you can't drink any of the water but boy howdy it sure beats Dem sure beats republicans doesn't it you have to sit there and you go if if republicans were what democrats claim we are if conservatives were what democrats claim we are and we actively set out 
to do as much damage as humanly possible to every Democrat community. And as the Democrats frame it, everybody who's not white. If we'd actively set out, we had a powwow, a secret meeting, right next to Burning Man. We had this secret meeting where we're like, hey, man, how are we going? How can we most effectively do a whole bunch of damage to black and brown people? I think the overwhelming consensus would be if that was what the goal was. Somebody would raise their hand. I would. I'd raise my hand and say, you know what we could do? We could keep doing what Democrats are doing because I don't think anybody could do it any worse. If that's your goal, if that's what you want, if that's your objective, do what Democrats are doing and then just get out of the way or let what Democrats have done stand and just get out of the way. And it will happen. It will happen naturally. You can't say that, though. That's probably a hate crime. Um, I want to play this audio. It's from NP, or, uh, PBS. Christian Amanpour has a television show on CNN, and she has a television show on uh, public television as well. Why? Because liberals just throw money at liberals. She probably makes more from PBS in our tax money than she does from CNN. But she was off this weekend and somebody called sarah sidner who i assume is some sort of journalist never heard of her before but she was out there filling in and she had on author james crawford it's a little it's like a minute and a half this clip but i just want to illustrate just how insane unbalanced these leftists are as people as human beings as as sentient creatures and how the left works, because the stupidity, like I say, starts, it spreads like a cold on a plane, but it starts somewhere. There are always patient zeros for every one of these ridiculous ideas that Democrats try to advance. And there's a new theory that they will be trying to advance. It is that borders, just simply having a border, which means essentially having a country, is fascistic. A border is fascism. If we were to secure our southern... Now, they already pretend that the southern border doesn't exist, but now they're trying to justify it. They need to justify it. They've tried to deny that they've been doing anything like ignoring that the southern border exists for a while now, and now they've, uh, they can't do that anymore. So now they have to say that uh, eh, the existence of a southern border is fascistic. So we're really fighting fascism when we're out there not enforcing the border they're trying to justify it after the fact and this author does it there is no challenge in this interview i it's a wildly boring interview he's pushing some book i can't even remember what the hell it is and who cares what it is um this interview will not do anything to inspire anybody to want to buy his book because a real an interesting interview asks interesting questions that are challenging you don't have to be confrontational but they have to be challenging they have to have something behind them other than tell us about the book. Oh, tell us about your weirdo political philosophy. That's amazing. That's right. But when you agree with the person you're interviewing, you have to be either skilled to ask questions that are challenging and interesting, or you come across as an indifferent sort of questioner. That's what 
Sarah Sidner is. You can see why she doesn't have a show here on, on NPR. But she's probably making a pretty penny as a guest host. Anyway, listen to this to find out why it is, how it is, that it is, that borders are fascism. You, you talk about globalization versus nationalism as well. Um, and you say that today there are more borders in the world than ever before in human history. So do you think that, that this idea of nationalism and ultra-nationalism that is spreading across uh, much of the West for certain uh, and some of the East, do you think that that is one of the reasons why we're seeing these borders uh, go up in such a significant way? It absolutely is. I mean, and you can see that everywhere. You, know, you can see it very prominently in the United States with, you know, with the, the sort of Trump administration. If you pour national identity into a line, which is what we have done, you know, as I said, that creation of this modern system of bordering led to the creation of nation states. So effectively led to nationalism. And there are so many instances where nationalism, identity is exerted by the drawing of these lines and the establishment of these lines. And there's also so much nostalgia now, you know, so much looking backwards, particularly for Western countries who feel that their, their, their grasp on power may be slipping, who feel like there are incursions coming from migrants. You know, Trump described the, the walking caravan that approached the US-Mexico border in 2018 as an invasion of migrants. So there's this sense of, of, of pulling up the drawbridge and saying, oh, you know, we're, we're done now. Mm. This is what our nation is. This is what the space we occupy is. And the rise of nationalism, or the, the, the new rise of nationalism, if you like, and to some extent that veering towards fascism is often connected to these lines because they become the spaces where you exert who you are. Uh, that's what we're seeing increasingly across Europe and across America. Oh, Damned Western countries that gave us civilization. How, how dare they have borders? I mean, see, it's not just it's not just arbitrary lines drawn on a map. They're long negotiated between governments, by the way, but they are also lines that indicate differences in culture, language, the ability to communicate, and they have been around for centuries. They're not new, but this guy is lying to you to sell his book, and it fits a liberal narrative that we should be doing away with all borders because borders are just arbitrary, man. They're just lines on a map. What, what if we just want to go and live over there? Why shouldn't we be able to? Well, you can. There's a process by which you can do that, uh, but you're not entitled to. You have to have borders. Without it, you have you might as well not have a country. If your objective is one world government, controlled, of course, by you, not by anybody who disagrees with you, then you have to wipe out the idea, the acceptance, the tolerance, if you will, of the very concept of a government, of a country, of a nation existing. Part, this is just one part. The borders are fascist. It's uh, also that we don't call them illegal aliens anymore. Don't call them. It's horrible, racist to call them illegal aliens. They are simply migrants. They are simply migrants. Well, there are migrants. Migrants are people who come in for the work. They do so, in a lot of cases, legally. And then when the work is done, they leave and go back. During harvest season, during planting season, there are migrants who come across the border legally 
with work permits to come and work on various farms to do the farming, the planting, and then the, the picking. These illegal aliens streaming across the border should be deported immediately because they have no intention whatsoever of ever leaving. It is an invasion. It is a resettlement. It is a violation of our national sovereignty, and it is all being done with the blessing and hand-holding and cheering of the Democrat Party. The president of the United States, quite frankly, should be impeached. He'll never be convicted because there aren't 67 people in the Senate who, who give a damn, and there's not a single Democrat who would give a damn. doesn't matter how many people are killed in the name of tolerance or by illegal aliens Democrats let in. But uh, they've a clear violation of the law. The president's job is to enforce the laws of the United States, to implement them and enforce them. And when it comes to our southern border, he is in complete and total dereliction of duty. He needs to be impeached because of that. Instead, they will probably try to, I don't know, blast Thomas Jefferson off of Mount Rushmore and replace it with this senile piece of trash. I want to shift gears again here. I want to tell you about a guy called Dr. Scott Mosser. I think that's how you pronounce it, M-O-S-S-E-R. Dr. Scott Mosser, he, is, uh, he runs or has a um, something called the Gender Confirmation Center. And you go to genderconfirmation.com and you see Gender Confirmation Center by Dr. Scott Mosser. Huh. And it is a medical facility. And it is a medical facility about butchering children, butchering people. Again, I don't really care what adults do. If you want to butcher your body as an adult, I'll think you're an idiot, but I don't really care what you do. You're an adult. You have been afforded every opportunity to not do something wildly stupid, and you actively choose to do something wildly stupid anyway. That's on you. I can't bring myself to care. However, Dr. Scott Mosser... He's a little bit different. He proudly, he's like the abortion doctor who brags about, like if you're an abortion doctor, okay. But I love abortion. I need abortion. I want more abortion. And I think there's something wrong with you. I think you probably torture puppies when you were a kid. I think there's something weird and, and different about you. So, Mosser's the same way. He is proud that he performs gender-affirming surgeries on children, that he, he provides double mastectomies to young girls who are under the delusion that they're boys. Now, why does he do this? He does it because there's a lot of money in it, a lot of money in it. The uh, procedure costs between $8,500 and $10,000. And according to Christopher Rufo, who has been exposing this stuff left and right, he has generated over $20 million in revenues for performing double mastectomies on girls and women. This gender dysphoria business is a booming business. You talk about a growth industry. It is a growth industry. And as part of a video chat... Scott Mosser was rather open. About, now, you're going to get in trouble if you share this on social media, probably, because it's weird. 
Conserv- liberals can lie about conservatives all they want. Just make stuff up. It doesn't matter. There are no consequences on social media. for them. You can threaten them. You can threaten us. I've been threatened many, many times on social media. And you go, hey, uh, Twitter, this person wants to cut my head off. Yeah, that doesn't violate our terms of service. No, it doesn't. So if I say uh, that Chelsea Manning is Bradley Manning, that'll get me banned because I've dead named somebody who's a tranny who's uh, um, in favorable position with the left. But if I, you know, if somebody says they want to cut my head off, they want to de-head me, it's, it's okay. It's no big deal. It's different. Cutting somebody's head off or saying you want to cut somebody's head off is much worse than calling somebody who for 90% of their life was named Bradley, Bradley, calling a traitor, Bradley, or calling that weirdo out of Pennsylvania who Biden appointed out there, who is like woman of the year for uh, calling calling Rachel Levine, saying Rachel Levine is a man. That's a bridge too far, but I want to burn down your house with your family in it. That's okay. That's cool. It's just somebody expressing their opinion. You're allowed to express your opinion on social media as long as that opinion conforms with left-wing orthodoxy. So what gets you in trouble on social media as a conservative is accurately portraying, not even portraying, accurately quoting, saying Here, here's a video that a liberal put online themselves of them talking. Look at this. And they go, no, 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 no. That's, you can't do that. You're creating hate by doing by accurately not even we're not even quoting. We're saying watch this person speak themselves. We're drawing attention to it. It's like saying, well, they sold a thousand tickets to this venue. They sold it out. And what you're doing is saying, well, I'm going to add another five thousand seats to the venue, so more people will get. Presumably, you said this stuff publicly because you wanted the world to know. Well, we're letting more of the world know. It's not a hate crime. What they're discussing is generally, usually pretty, pretty gross, though. And in this video chat that Scott Mosser did, it is pretty gross. It is pretty disturbing. I have three clips here of him talking about what he does. It is a lot like if audio surfaced of Joseph Mengele, Dr. Death, who performed all sorts of horrible experiments on Holocaust victims, and particularly twins, torturing one physically, slicing them, to see if the other one in the other room would feel it or anything like that. That sort of sick stuff and injecting all sorts of god-awful, horrible chemicals into bodies just to see just to see what's going on and what would happen. It's like that. It's like if you unearthed an interview, a lost interview, with Joseph Mengele, Scott Mosser, is super proud of what he does. It makes him a lot of money. Me, So I'm uh, super committed to gender surgery. In the past, I used to do cosmetic surgery. I'm a board certified plastic surgeon, and I've always been drawn to things that are deeply impactful. In the GCC, Gender Confirmation Center in San Francisco, we kind of have these like secret missions. Now, now that it's on a slide, these public secret missions, which are, uh, one of them is that we try to, we try to live with our values 30 to 40 years in the future. So, and that puts us in a mindset of um, extreme affirmation, because affirmation is that time is a foregone conclusion. This is a time in the future when gender is just a thing. Nobody makes a big deal out of it. People are being screened as children and adolescents for their gender journey and appropriate steps are taken to get them involved in a multidisciplinary process to get them where they need to go. That's, that's the future. 
Don't let this person anywhere near your children. Don't let any of this person anywhere near a school. We try to live the 30, 40 years in the future because that's, that's when everything will be fine. Gender will be nothing. No, you will have a whole bunch of people you've butchered. You'll be dead. You'll be dead of old age or alive and still wealthy, but, you know, near the end. And they'll start suing you going, you butchered me when I was 15 years old and you didn't. And they'll go, hey, you signed the waiver. Your parents signed the waiver. You're all on your own. I don't care. He's making serious money. And he goes, oh, in 30, 40 years, gender is just a thing and nobody will pay any attention to it. Huh. Anybody buy that? Now, here's the list of procedures and uh, the cost for Mosser. If you want to get a Brazilian butt lift, he still does plastic surgery. It's fifteen to eighteen thousand dollars. Liposuction with buttocks fat grafting. If you just want to get liposuction in the whole trunk, it's ninety five hundred to ten thousand five hundred. If you just want to get liposuction in one area, it's fifty-five to sixty-five hundred. If you want to get a boob job, it's uh, eight thousand to ninety-five hundred. And if you are a teenager or even a pre-teenager, and you want to get chest reconstruction top surgery, meaning a double mastectomy, eighty-five hundred to ten thousand dollars. Like I told you, you make a good living if you are a monster in the medical field. Now, not everybody has that kind of money laying around. And so what? We got financing is available. That's right. You can get financing. They will finance you. Now, we are in a world where what? We have been led to believe a lie that uh, all these sweet, sweet, nourishing college students, they're just taken advantage of uh, of, by the predatory student loan industry. Just horribly... Now, they always leave out the fact that the federal government has a monopoly on student loans, so if there are predators involved, they are uh, government. But you know, all these predatory lenders, you're walking down the street, you're minding your own business, you walk past a bush, and out jumps somebody with a baseball bat and says, hey, you take this student loan out or I'm going to break your legs. I don't think that's how it works. I could be wrong. It wasn't how it worked in my case. But uh, maybe I just buried the memory. But we're told that people are being saddled with more loans than they know what to do with or could ever pay off because of X, Y, or Z, and therefore we must do this, that, and the other. People are too stupid to know what's going And yet here we are, the Gender Firming Care Center, or whatever the hell it's called, the Gender Confirmation Center. What do you think? How many people do you think they turn around, away saying, eh, I don't think you really are a, a woman trapped in a man's body? I don't think you should have your 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 breasts removed, fifteen year old. I don't I don't think you're ready. How many of them do you, none? Less than none? Yeah, probably less than none. But don't worry, if you can't afford it, they'll finance it. So when the regret sets in and you're sitting there going, I'll never be able to breastfeed my child now, provided they haven't butchered the rest of your body. Um you, you'll be, it'll be too late. You can't do anything about it. 
They say our center is pleased to work with patients through a plastic surgery financing company called Care Credit. Please follow the link below to their website to, for further information, easy online instant application, and other useful tools like their payment calculator. Happy to provide convenient financing option for our payments. Click the link below to begin the financing application immediately. There is no commitment whatsoever for applying, and within minutes, you'll have an answer regarding approval status for your procedure. Yeah, go into debt. It's very lovely. This guy is just looking out for his patients. It has nothing to do with his desire to keep adding to the $20 million in revenue that the uh, the Gender Confirmation Center... The Gender Confirmation Center. You really think, again, is there going to be anybody out there who goes... You know what? I don't think you're ready. I don't think you're right. I think you've got uh, something else going on here, and you should probably address that. No, of course not. They're the bank balance confirmation center is what they really are. The video continues. Um, I do not have a minimum age of any sort in my practice. There's no chronological age that says you don't get surgery. Now, having said that, I don't think I've ever done a consult on a 12-year-old yet, but we would if one came our way. We just haven't had reason to. Um, and then we've done a number of 13-year-olds who, who we did consults on. I think I've done one or two 13-year-old surgeries. For the most part, it's 14 and up that by the time everything comes together, plus insurance approval, plus everything that surgery actually gets completed. I love that. Plus insurance approval. Because we gots to get paid, yo. We gots to be getting paid. You got to love that. Oh, no, I've done some some 13-year-old consults and, I don't know, one or two maybe surgeries. I don't know. There's probably a lot more. But, you know, by the time everything gets approved, including and especially and most importantly the financing and or the insurance part out there, once I know I'm going to get mine, then I care very deeply about the patient's and we snip, snip, and then get them the hell out of there as quickly as possible. Isn't that lovely? These are butchers. These are butchers, and they're sitting there profiting off of it. And the politically correct, the left, the Democratic Party is empowering people like this. Oh, yeah, no, no. There's some. There's 17% of the population, uh, the young population is transgender. You think suddenly God fell asleep at the switch or nature fell asleep at the switch or whatever it is you think is out there. And, uh, it just fell asleep at the switch and uh, the box of parts got all messed up. And they're like, your chocolate is in my peanut butter. Well, your peanut butter is in my chocolate. And they said, well, the hell with it. Just throw them in bodies and let them all figure it out. Or do you think something else is going on here where it's wildly trendy? And adults in positions of power and parents in positions of desperate need to virtue signal to their neighbors are sitting out there going, please, 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 let me have a transgender child. It'll be, he picked up a Barbie. He picked up a Barbie. Quick, let's get him in there. We'll call him Becky now and we'll just grow his hair. It'll be wonderful. It'll be wonderful. These are sick individuals. And there's always money at the root of it, money and political power. Money, we got to make sure that we get that uh, insurance claim through or else we're going to have to rely even more heavily on the uh, financing, which is available. Just click this link. Um, We do not require any particular identity. We only require that somebody has gender dysphoria and uses a multidisciplinary process for us to assess. Do you have a question? Please, yes. What was the youngest age a transmasculine kid could consider this surgery? 
So there is no youngest age um, at all. Um, the, with parental consent, somebody could even do a, con a consult with me at age 10, 11, or 12. You can do a consult with me age 10, 11, or 12. We'll do any. Look, if you got the money, honey, we got the time. If you got the money, honey, we got the time. One of the services, he does uh, female to male does male to female and he does non-binary which i don't know what the hell non-binary is i suppose that's just a double mastectomy there you go and you go wait a second that that just means that you're going to a male chest how does that non-binary no 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 they don't care if the check clears they don't give a damn now on his uh, website he says uh, you know how common is regret after surgery they do the, the frequently asked question how common is it says, satisfaction with surgical results is closely related to the surgeon's skills, patient safety, and matching the procedure to the patient's expectations. What is clear is that transgender visibility has risen dramatically in recent years, along with the number of requests for transition surgery. It is exceptionally rare for patients to regret transitioning genders. Although rare, regret after surgery is often due to the patient's unrealistic expectations or due to the very rare complications of surgery or unfortunately due to poor results uh, executed by an inexperienced surgeon. See, it's all if you're not happy, if you were miserable before, you go, oh, if only they could butcher my body to what I think it should be. And then they do that and you go, wait a second, all these feelings of... Uh, doubt and uh, not fitting in all that stuff is still there huh maybe i now i can't have kids now I, i'm just butch I, i'm in pain some things don't work some things continue to close up and it's just nothing is permanent you have to take these like your life sucks you go oh no no that's your fault your expectations were unrealistic beforehand well how many of these consultations do you think they say well at the end of the day the problems you take with you going in are going to be the problems with you on the other side so maybe you want to try to address your problems um rather than address your body right if your if your car sucks if it's just not the car for you and you paint it red it's still going to be a nice red car that sucks right still going to have all the problems with the engine that you had before but hey man if the check clears or the financing comes through who gives a damn tell you it is like listening to joseph mengele and he's living 30 to 40 years in the future i think in 50 years in the future this guy will be living in hell so you know good luck with that but boy he'll have a good ride until then okay i want to shift up a little bit because um Joe Biden went to Pennsylvania yesterday. God, this guy, he's a bad person. The president of the United States is a bad guy. He's not, it's not that he's just senile or he's a bad person. Senile, he knows what he's saying. He might not know where he is all the time, and there are certainly moments where he doesn't know what he's saying, but there are moments where he, it's clear that he does know what he's saying. And he is saying bad things. He's lying about this country. He is doing damage to this country, and he doesn't care. He says them anyway, and he repeats them endlessly. And so you sit there and you go, it's not senility. He's not a puppet, at least not in this moment. He's a bad person. Remember, he's the one who said to a black audience that Mitt Romney wants to put you all back in chains. Yeah, Mitt Romney wants to reinstitute slavery 
Joe. You're the one who bragged about your state being a slave state. I wish I, there are lots of things I wish I could say about Joe Biden that I can't say about Joe Biden and the standards of decency and law. But needless to say, he is a bad person who gets what he deserves. Karma will come and get him. An eternity is a very long time. As oh, he's a devout Catholic. Not a devout Catholic. He's nominally Catholic at best. And he uh, is known for groping women. I don't think that God would be down with that. But that's just me. Anyway, he went to Pennsylvania. <clears throat> First let, I want to play this one clip of him where he, he, he goes off script. And he talks about black people in basketball. If Donald Trump had done it, if any Republican had done it, hell, if, if Tim Scott did this, if Tim Scott said anything remotely close to this, the left would be going, oh, the Republicans just think that black people can only play basketball. This is a, like, no, they wouldn't tolerate it. Even if it was a black Republican, they'd go, it's racist. I don't care. It's racist. It's racist. It's racist. Joe Biden comes out and goes off on a tangent. He is the ultimate, by the way, I have a black friend kind of guy. Although there's no evidence whatsoever that Joe Biden has or has ever had a black friend. You know, normally I think I personally believe the I have a black friend is a pretty good defense against you're a racist because a racist wouldn't have a black friend. A white racist wouldn't have a black friend. A black racist wouldn't have a white friend. Hey, you know, you're a racist against this type of people. You're like, well, no, my best friend is that type of people. That's different. Oh, so I have a deep-seated irrational hatred of a group of people but I'm willing to make an exception if somebody's really cool. In other words, I'm willing to judge somebody by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. And you're judging people by the color of their skin, not the content of their character. And I'm the racist? How does that work again? So I firmly believe that I have a black friend is a pretty good defense against you're a racist. Joe Biden doesn't have a black friend. Joe Biden doesn't have anything. Joe Biden, when it comes to black people, has like two stories. Corn pop from the days when he was a lifeguard at a, uh, a, a allegedly a black pool in Delaware. And he was arrested trying to visit Nelson Mandela in South Africa when he flew to Soweto to go visit Nelson Mandela on Robben Island, which is like 2,000 miles away. Why would you fly? Why wouldn't you fly to Johannesburg? Uh, I think it was Johannesburg, which is right near Robin Island, like right there. If you're going to visit, who goes, you know what? I'm going to go and visit, uh, pick some. I'm going to go visit Leonardo DiCaprio at his house in California, in Los Angeles. Oh, okay. So I booked a flight to Salt Lake City. Why the hell would you book a flight to Salt Lake City? Well, because, you know, I don't know. You could fly right to L.A. Leo could pick you up. Now, Salt Lake City is probably about as close as uh, we're going to get there. And then we'll just drive from there. How many people would look at that and go, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll meet you at Leo's house. I'm going to fly to L.A. All right. You, you enjoy Salt Lake City and all the things you got to drive through to get there. But I don't have this time to sort of mess around. So to believe that Joe Biden... Uh, went to Soweto, flew to Soweto to visit somebody 2,000 miles away is stupid in and of itself. And the fact that he claims he was arrested because he need, he, need, he has no 
He's admitted in the past that he had nothing to do with the civil rights movement. He's of the age where it would have been right in his wheelhouse, and if he really gave a damn, he could have been involved in the civil rights movement. Bernie Sanders, for all his weirdness and lies and and laziness, he was actually involved in the civil rights movement. He was out there marching while in college, and good on him. So when Bernie Sanders talks about the things that he's done in the civil rights movement, he's talking about it from experience. Whereas Joe Biden hears Bernie Sanders talking about it and goes, oh, I wish I'd done that. I know. I'll just say I did. Forgetting the fact that there's a whole bunch of instances when he was talking to a whole bunch of racist Democrats where it wasn't super cool to say that you were involved in the civil rights movement back in the day and uh, saying, I didn't do anything in the civil rights movement. Huh. Well, which is it, Joe? It can't be both. It's neither. Well, it's actually he didn't do a damn thing. So these are Joe's experiences with black people. Have you ever seen Joe Biden with a black person aside from a campaign event? It's a decent question. Have you ever seen Joe Biden has been in the public life forever? Did you ever see Joe Biden with a black chief of staff? You ever see Joe Biden? Joe Biden's inner circle of advisors. I guess Karine Jean-Pierre is historic because she's both gay and black. But she's sent out to the podium with a binder that she's seemingly unfamiliar with the contents of, which means she's not in on the meetings. So are there people in on the meetings? Oh, he nominated Katanji Brown-Jackson to the Supreme Court. I don't care. So what? He checked a box. That's what he had to do. That just proves that he's an opportunist who doesn't really have any core beliefs. It doesn't mean he's not a racist. It means that if Bull Connor thought that the key to his reelection was appointing a black guy as deputy, he probably would have done it. That's how Democrats work. That's how politicians work. Anyway, Joe Biden decided that uh, it's been a while since he made racist comments. And so he talks about his pool days briefly. And boy, howdy, them black people can play basketball. If I can just interject for a moment, my deceased son, Bo, he was the attorney general of the state of Delaware. And what he used to do is go down in the east side, what called the bucket, highest crime rate in the country. There's a place where I used to, I was the only white guy that worked as a lifeguard down in that area, on the east side. And you know where the, you can always tell where the best basketball in the state is and the best basketball in the city is. Those damn black people, they got the, look, they got the high crime and the best basketball. <clears throat> no wonder Joe Biden doesn't have any black friends or black staff around him. He thinks that uh, black people are just criminals and basketball players. And he doesn't really want to be associated with either one of them. God, it just... Imagine the absolute fecal storm if Donald Trump said anything like that. If Donald Trump said anything remotely close to that, what would you, what would be the reaction of somebody like Joe Biden? They would not stop vomiting and being outraged. They would not be able to control themselves. But Joe Biden says, "Oh, as an aside here, my son went down and, and hung out with poor black people who were, you know, victims of crime and perpetrators of crime." And oh, by the way, really good basketball down there. Really good basketball. Okay, Joe, you were the senator from there since the earth cooled. Your son was attorney general in the 2000s, mid-2000s. So what you're saying is your entire tenure as a United States senator didn't make a damn bit of difference in the lives of black people in the state of Delaware 
from the time you were a teenage lifeguard ready to rumble with Corn Pop for calling him Esther, whatever her name was, Ethel Merman, or whatever the, the diver swimmer was. It hasn't made a damn bit of difference from Jim Crow days to now. And you're bragging about it. You're bragging about it. Hey, you know, I represented this state, and I, I mean, I got rich. But uh, those black people, they got uh, they got probably better at basketball, and that's about it. This sick, sick person. Anyway, he decided, the President of the United States, to make what was supposed to be an official speech about policy into a campaign event. Make no mistake. Now, the taxpayers were supposed to, and did, foot the bill for this trip to Pennsylvania. It turned into a political campaign where he was telling people to vote for Democrats, which means that theoretically the Democratic National Committee should pay for that. It likely won't. I would suggest in about a year there will be a Federal Elections Commission ruling that this violated whatever law and they will force the DNC to pay for it or the Biden campaign to pay for it to reimburse taxpayers. But it will not be their first instinct. They don't want to. They don't really care. While there, he decided to attack half the country again because he's a bad person. He's a bad person. And uh, now when you hear this clip where he basically says, boy, if you're going to want a Second Amendment right to protect yourself from the government, you're going to need a plane. You're going to need an F-14. You're not going to be able to because we'll sick the entire power of the military on you. First of all, it tells you something about the mentality of this senile SOB that he believes that the military would go out and willingly fire upon their fellow American citizens. I'd like to think the military wouldn't do that. But then again, I'd like to think that those FBI agents wouldn't do half the stuff they've done. So you never know. And plus, they're busy purging everybody who won't use proper pronouns from the military. So there might just be left-wingers who'd be more than happy to fire upon their fellow Americans left in the military. That being said, Joe Biden and Democrats in general are the very same people who do what? They tell you that a couple of hundred people storming into the Capitol building on January the 6th was an affront to democracy, a threat to democracy, almost the end of democracy. It could have been the end of our country. What a horrible, horrible situation. Those people tell you that. But they say that uh, to really, you should be willing to give up your guns because we'll just kill you with an airplane. Like, which is, is where a couple of hundred senior citizens walking into the Capitol near death of this country or... um, or not. It can't be that that was a threat to democracy, but people could never defend themselves from government with small arms because uh, the government will just bomb you from the skies and therefore you should willingly give up, surrender your Second Amendment rights. Listen to the President of the United and he does it in such a taunting, douchey way on top of everything else. They're not unlimited. Right now, you can't go out and buy an automatic weapon. You can't go out and buy a cannon. And for those brave right-wing Americans who say it's all about keeping America, keeping America's independent and safe, if you want to fight against the country, you need an F-15. You need something a little more than a gun. No, I'm not joking. Think about this. Think about the rationale we use. 
that's used to provide this. And who are they shooting at? Shooting at these guys behind me. Behind him were police officers, brass, union brass that were required to be there or happy to be there because they're union brass. But he almost seems sexually aroused at the prospect of sicking the United States military on American citizens, doesn't he? It's bizarre. You, you can't buy an automatic weapon. You can. You can. It, it's not easy, There's, but you can buy them. You can't buy a cannon. Yeah, you can. You know why? Because what are you going to do with a cannon? You're going to march down the street with a cannon? You're going to get a couple of oxen and march it down the street to City Hall and point one cannon? I'm pretty sure by the time you set up your cannon, somebody might come along and say, what are you doing there, Earl? What are you doing there, Johnny? What's going You can buy it. You can buy these. You don't even have to know the laws. You just have to watch Pawn Stars and you see them selling these things. Now, there are certain restrictions on them, sure. But to say you can't is wildly ignorant. Then again, we're dealing with Joe Biden. You can't be able to take on F F-15s. Okay, then why is why is it that people are sitting in prison for two years in solitary confinement for trespassing the United States Capitol as a threat to democracy? Why, if if there was no way, if it was the concept is laughable, then why in the hell are they not free, Joe? They haven't been uh, convicted of anything. They're just being held. You want gangbangers, murderers, drug dealers to be released from prison as quickly as possible, regardless of their crime. But somebody who trespassed on January 6th? No, they've got a rotten solitary. I tell you, Joe Biden is evil. Evil. So we have a horrible president who is a member, leader, really, of a horrible political party. Just a god-awful political party. And out in California, they are... What I found out amazing is that Virginia has a law that the same standards for automobiles that California comes up with, whatever the California comes up with. This is how how Democrats work. It's kind of like here in Maryland where Martin O'Malley on his way out, Tommy Carchetti, he uh, worked tirelessly to pass a law that pay to not only increase the gas tax, so you're paying more in gas because of Martin O'Malley, but he wanted to peg the gas tax to inflation. So when inflation goes up, the gas taxes go up. And it worked. That's what we have here in Maryland. That meant that Martin O'Malley and Democrats were so, <clears throat> their fetish is raising taxes. They love raising taxes. So much so that they want to raise taxes in perpetuity. So now taxes on gasoline go up no matter what. Every year. They don't have to vote. They don't want to vote for it. They don't want their fingerprints on it. But they want to increase taxes. And so they have that. They removed responsibility from themselves. Well, I didn't vote to raise taxes. The taxes just went up. Oh, that's weird. Your party instituted this you're just no 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 that was the different that was o'malley i wasn't even in town that month Hmm. and now they are finding ways to pay they know that california it's going to be accepted the left-wing stupidity either the people in california are dumb or they're overrun by dumb people and and democrats whatever they just they know that california is going to be the tip of the stupid spear the tip of the progressive suppository if you will and so rather than have to go, you know what? 
I like what California did. Why don't we vote on something similar? Because they'll go, well, no, because our voters will crucify. Virginia is not California. Virginia Democrats, when they were in charge, devised a way that they wouldn't have to take that uncomfortable vote, but they would still get the power. And they pegged their laws automatically to follow whatever California introduces. So that when California introduced, uh, uh, passed the law that said now by 2036, all the cars sold in the United States, in California have to be electric, have to be plug-in electric. Virginia automatically got the exact same thing because of these laws, because the Democrats said, well, we couldn't vote for that. We'd be crucified, be killed if we passed this individually, these things. But if we set it up so it automatically happens, then we can say, well, this is an outrage. We don't and then not do anything about it. We can call it an outrage and still get what we want and say, we didn't vote for this in the future, but Democrats want it. Well, <clears throat> They're looking to uncouple that. Governor Youngkin is looking to uncouple that from California, and hopefully he will succeed. It's amazing to me that it wasn't discovered until recently. That's how stealthily Democrats are able to do things. And if you are doing things that you have to do stealthily, if you're doing things that you hope the world doesn't catch you doing, that should tell you something, should it not? Anyway, back to California. What a mess it is. You want your state to be like California. Well, the power, the officials that run the power grid out there in California, the official um, monitors and operators of California's energy supply, they put out a, a warning yesterday. Is it yesterday? Yeah, yesterday. About what to expect in the coming months. As California goes greener and greener and greener and greener. <laughs> they put out it is August 30th, 2022. So for today, saying excessive heat starting today will st- or starting tomorrow will stress out energy grid. Consumer conservation likely needed this weekend to avert power outages. Huh? Yeah. Starting tomorrow through Tuesday. And through Tuesday, tomorrow, that means the holiday weekend, where I'd imagine you have people over where you might not want your house to be 80 degrees or whatever. They're telling you you got to set your house to almost 80 degrees. Starting tomorrow through Tuesday, California and the West are expecting extreme heat. It's not extreme heat. It's called summer heat because it's summer are expecting extreme heat that is likely to strain the grid with increased energy demands, especially over the holiday weekend. This is what happens. This is your brain on progressivism. You shut down all your power plants. You shut down your nuclear power plants. And then you go, what happened to all our power? When do we need it? Yeah. Anybody can generate enough electricity to cover what a house needs uh at about 2 30 in the morning when everybody's asleep and the only drain on batteries are your appliances running to maintain their settings and your iphone being recharged those are your those are your power demands at night anybody can meet that a uh, a chipmunk on a stationary bicycle could generate enough electricity to handle that problem is it's not always 2 30 in the morning on a cool summer evening 
Temperatures are forecast to begin rising Wednesday, August 31st, intensifying through the holiday weekend and extending to early next week. In many areas of the West, temperatures are forecast to hit triple digits and break records. In what's likely to be the most extensive heat wave in the West so far this year, temperatures in Northern California are expected to be 10 to 20 degrees warmer than normal through Tuesday. September 6th, in Southern California, temperatures are expected to be 10 to 18 degrees warmer than normal. Again, summer. The uh, ISO, the power grid, is taking measures to bring all available resources online. Restricted maintenance operations have been issued for Wednesday, August 31st through Tuesday, September 6th from noon to 10 p.m. each day due to high loads and temperatures across the state. So they're going to make sure that they don't take people off the grid to do maintenance, which they probably should have done long before now, but all right, I guess that makes sense. So the weather grid or conditions worsen, the ISO may issue a series of emergency notifications to ex- access additional resources and prepare market participants for the pub- and the public for potential energy shortages and the need to conserve. That means rolling black and brownouts. You don't, you don't, you're not brought in on it. You don't get to decide. They just turn your power off. I love it. Like, we're going to consult with it. No, you're not. You're going to flip a switch and you're going to shut people off. The power grid operator expects to call on Californians for voluntary energy conservation via flex alerts over the long weekend. During a flex alert, if you don't know what a flex alert is, during a flex alert, alert, consumers are urged to reduce energy use from 4 to 9 p.m. when the system is most stressed because demand for electricity remains high and there is less solar energy available. But it's six to, uh, 4 to 9 p.m. The sun is still up in California. Less solar energy available, that's because solar doesn't work, right? right? It doesn't generate nearly enough. The three top conservation actions are to set the thermostat to 78 degrees or higher. There you go. Avoid using large appliances and charging electric vehicles and turn off unnecessary lights. Wait a second. California is now mandating and soon will mandate, they mandate a certain percentage of automobiles sold in their state be electric in just a few years 2026 i believe the number is supposed to be 25 percent of all vehicles sold in california have to be electric then five years after that it has to be uh half and then a hundred percent in 10 uh, 12 years you're telling me as a measure to protect the grid don't charge your electric vehicle why, it's almost like government would have complete control over your ability to move about freely as a human being, right? It's weird. Government incompetence. Is there nothing you can't do? Sadly, I don't think there is anything you can't do. So good luck, California, and good luck, Virginia, uncoupling from California, and watch out for your Democrats trying to couple them to California, losers. I honestly don't know why anybody still lives in California. I don't know why anybody visits California. Oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Nature is everywhere. There's beauty everywhere. You can't, well, you want to see the Pacific Ocean that desperately. I go in and go, I, I don't know. Look at pictures of it. Unless you're a surfer, there's not a whole lot of difference between the Pacific and the Atlantic Ocean anyway. You go to Florida, check it out. But I love it. Don't charge your electric vehicles. Don't charge, okay, so 
know what's going to happen because I think it's like 2% of the vehicles in California are electric vehicles right now. 2%. So what do you do? You're telling all those people, hey, uh, don't charge your car in the evening. So what are they going to do? Theoretically, if they obey, they're going to charge their cars at other times. All of them. Which would then do what? Put undue stress on the grid. And they say, well, turn off your air conditioning starting at 4 and set the thermostat to 78. If you're inclined to comply with your government's orders to cover for their incompetence, what are you going to do? If it's a hot day and it's it's only going to get hotter, you're going to turn your AC to 78? But before you do that, say starting at, I don't know, noon, 2 o'clock, something, maybe 3 o'clock, whatever it is, depending on the power of the AC unit in your particular home, you're going to crank it up. All right, I'll turn it to 78 starting at 4 o'clock. But I'm going to turn it to 58 until then because I want this thing to be a refrigerator so that when I'm not allowed to use it or there's a rolling blackout or whatever, I'm not sweating to death. You know, you can do that. You can set your house pretty cold. You keep the windows closed. You keep the doors closed. You put the blinds down. Your house will still bake, but it won't bake as fast. And if you got it cold inside, it'll stay cold. So what's that going to do? It's going to put undue stress on the power grid. Whereas instead of finding ways to, and desperately scrambling and spending, God knows, untold fortunes, to scramble to manage the decline of California. And that make no mistake, that's what this is. This is slowly managing the decline. You want that if you're in a plane where all the engines went out. You want to manage the decline. You want to if you're going to hit the ground, you want to do it at a running angle that is very close to what it would be should you try to land. You can land without power. That's what you want to do. It's going to be a bumpier ride than normal, and it's going to be a harder landing than normal. But as long as the wheels stay on, you'd probably be okay. You want to manage the decline. You don't want to nosedive right to the ground, panic. Oh, my God, we got to get out of here. There's no engines. You just nosedive right into the ground. You don't want to do that. You want to manage the decline. That's good in those circumstances. It's not good for government especially when the government is the one who destroyed the engines. They're the one. It wasn't a bird strike unless it was, you know, the governor of California out there throwing a frozen turkey through your engine or your plane. I wouldn't be surprised if Gavin Newsom did that. Instead of spending all this time finding ways to manage that decline, they could have spent a lot of that time, if not all of that time and money and energy, if you will, on trying to avoid this situation to begin with. Wouldn't you prefer that? I would prefer a politician who looks at a problem coming down the pipe and says, well, we're going to have to do something so that doesn't happen. Instead of a politician who looks down the pipe and says, well, we're screwed. How are we going to make that less bad? Well, you can make it totally not bad by managing to avoid it. No, 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 no. We wouldn't want to do that. We got to find another way to do that. And you're sitting there and you're going, what in the hell is wrong with these people? California is out there celebrating the fact that they are uh, closing down power plants. And now they're bringing back nuclear power plants in the the environmental movement. It, it's God, these people, how, 
I mean, it takes a special kind of corruption to cheer this, to report on the quote-unquote environmental movement coming around and embracing nuclear power. The reason California has shut its nuclear power plants is because of the environmentalists. The reason that Europe is shutting its power plants is because of environmentalists. And they're recognizing now that things are horrible. There's all sorts of problems. People are not going to obey them because of the harm that their policies are doing. They're, they're going to lose all credibility. So now you get this story from the uh, National Public Radio, your tax dollars at work. The headline, why even environmentalists are supporting nuclear power today? Well, they're doing it because otherwise they would be destroyed as a movement and exposed as the communist frauds who want to do as much damage as humanly possible to this country. That they, they, they are. Said, resistance to nuclear power is starting to ebb around the world with support from a surprising group, environmentalists. It's only environmentalists who didn't like it. Why didn't they like it? Uh, they say it's, it's, it could be dangerous. There's no CO2 emissions. If you're actually concerned about CO2, you would support nuclear like there's no tomorrow because there's zero emissions from that. And it produces a lot of energy, really cheap. Building it is expensive. Maintaining it is cheap. Running it is cheap. And there's no CO2. If you cared about any of the things Democrats claim to care about, all of those things would be the perfect trifecta. They're ignored. Why? Because the real ultimate goal is the destruction of capitalism. Green is really red. They want to destroy capitalism, and you destroy capitalism by sapping it of its energy supply. And nuclear, abundant, cheap energy is not going to help with that. Forcing people to go to solar and wind will help with that because they can't produce nearly enough. So we'll have to have California-style rolling brownouts and blackouts. But the nuclear power plants could make up that difference pretty, pretty easily. So you got to demonize them. So they try and say, oh, they're dirty. They're going to pollute. They're going to... Radiation. What about a meltdown? What about the... Yeah, Three Mile Island, nobody died. Chernobyl, I think two people died. Fukushima, I don't think anybody died. Now, were they good? No. But there are also lessons to be learned. Don't use cheap, crappy models from the Soviet Union to build your nuclear power plant. And don't build your nuclear power plant on a fault line on the ocean in an area of the, of the planet called the Ring of Fire. Follow those basic rules, and you should be okay. Don't put it at the base of a volcano. Don't put it at the base of a mountain where rock slides. These sort of basic things. Otherwise, you should probably be fine. The safety protocols work. But that doesn't help advance the progressive agenda, which is the destruction of capitalism and its replacement with, cap with communism or socialism or whatever you prefer to call it in any given day. So just set your thermostat up to 79 degrees, comrade. Don't charge your electric vehicle and make sure you unplug your refrigerator and you'll be fine. Obey. Obey. No thanks. Gonna, gonna take a hard pass on that. <sighs> Nothing they're doing is by accident. And all of it leads to one place and it's bad for the country. Why anybody votes for these Democrats, I'll never know. We are out of time for today. I appreciate you listening. We'll be back to do it all again tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Have a great one. <laughs>